0: Carrie, how are you doing this morning? Uh, got an interesting Q&A session. Um, I think it's going to be a really a lot of value for, especially those involved in the startup space. Uh, we'll, get, we'll get more of that in just a little bit. Gilad, how you doing this morning? Yeah, jump into chat. Let us know where you're coming from. Thank you all for being here. Um, just a quick intro for the de- for the guests today. We've got John Cesaro, president of Media Tech Ventures, Paul O'Brien, CEO of Media Tech Ventures, and Michael Lubker, head of event operations for Gamer Job, guys. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having us. It's cool. Yeah, really appreciate really appreciate you guys being here. Uh, so to start, let's give just a quick one minute uh, about yourselves. Give some background for for some
1: context for everybody.
0: And right. if uh, Paul, you want to start first? Yeah,
1: just a minute for for real. I, I'm not one to talk for only a minute. Uh, um, <laughs> maybe two for you. All right, do I, I'll t- I'll try. Uh, <laughs> hi, I, I'm I'm thrilled to be here. This is awesome. Uh, what a what a very cool platform. Thank you guys very much. And and Chris, thanks for setting this up. I'm Paul O'Brien, uh, Media Tech Ventures, and I we're, we're Austin based. Uh, we focus on media innovation and and all that entails everything from podcasting to video games to to the news and, and social media, uh, we do a lot of work in capital and education. Uh, I spent a lot of time in Silicon Valley before this. I've got Yahoo DNA. If anybody uh, remembers, <laughs> what Yahoo is a cool place to work. So, over to Michael's next in the uh, in the pyramid of pictures that I see. Michael, man, how are you doing, bud?
2: Doing well. Uh, I'm head of games and head of up. Uh, Event operations at Game and we basically have an event platform which we have up on the screen right now and we're working towards getting, getting a big event going on in May and uh, I know Paul and John through Media Tech Ventures because I went we went through
3: their collective program. Uh and yeah. All right. Last but not least, John Zazaro, uh, president of Media Tech Ventures. Uh, my background's you a know, uh, professional musician for a really long time before getting into the marketing side of the world. Moving to Austin um, from the Chicagoland area almost five years ago now. Um, and then having coffee with Paul to discuss um, how broken the current media industry is and what we're going to do to fix it. And here we are. Well,
0: guys, thanks for jumping in. So real quick, again, thanks for jumping into chat, you guys. A couple of shout-outs here. Uh, Karen, Ariel, Jeff, Jason, Carrie. again, thank you all so much for jumping in. Uh, let's get the questions rolling. We really want this to be a Q&A. So we're going to gonna keep prompting those questions that come in. So go ahead and type them in the chat. It doesn't matter where you're at, what platform. We will get to them. We want to answer every single one of them when we get to those. So go ahead, and we've already got questions coming in, so this is great. But let's – um, yeah, so can you – Since, you've, since you post uh, – give me one second. Okay, there we go. All right, so what are your thoughts on tech and social gaming and its potential to expand? Sorry, guys. Do a mic test real quick? Uh, Here we go. Okay. Yeah, so Karen has a question. What are your thoughts on tech and social gaming and its
2: potential to expand? Mike, you want to shoot that Shoot that one first? Okay, sure. Um, tech and social gaming. I mean, social gaming can mean a lot of things, at least from my point of view, uh, that would uh, at least originally have referred to Facebook games. But these days, pretty much any big game is social, and it's definitely expanding hugely. Um, I mean, Fortnite is still, uh, one of the biggest games there is, and there's a lot of big games that are continually expanding their audiences through different routes, whether it be updating or, uh, creating new content or, you know, sometimes totally relaunching. So, yeah, I, I would say the gaming field is expanding a lot and especially right now uh with everyone staying home uh, a lot of the services have seen new peaks or just crashed from the you know the load so apologize
1: yeah karen i think it's a great question because it it it, to me it's not even a question of of the current state of things and and the fact that folks are staying at home michael's got a great point i saw a a study uh, earlier this week that that online gaming social gaming is up something like eighty percent just in the last couple of weeks. but what I think is exciting is is that most of those people who are getting on and trying it are are trying it for the first time, and so it's very likely that things will stay this way that my own family for example, this weekend we were we were playing uh, games on zoom right and and most of the people. Uh, on that stream with us had, had never done anything like that. <laughs> so, so for the first time in history, we probably have 60, 70, 80% of the entire world population trying this stuff for the first time. And so I think the the games that we've experienced so far are really on the, uh, that are excited gamers. The fact is we now have little kids. We have grandparents, we have family we have, we have neighborhoods. In, in my neighborhood, for example, there's a group of folks that I'm working with to try to figure out how to build, which means opportunity and innovation for the designers, the developers, and, and even investors who are excited about the space.
3: John? Um, I think the, um, to reiterate some of the thoughts, uh, you're gonna see a lot of people that have always scratched their head when it comes to gaming. you know, I, 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 I'm looking more towards the uh, you know millennials' parents and uh, you know younger generations parents that are now gonna kind of uh, um, adopt technology that otherwise they wouldn't have. They're gonna they're gonna be interested in trying new things, um, and you're gonna see a lot more of you know the the older generation get into gaming um, and the gamification as well of other um, you know whether that's work you know I'm really interested to see how you know work with now remote completely remote teams are going to be adopting more of the you know gamifying their experiences for their employees and really trying to recreate reinvent. Um, how to keep things fresh, right? In a now that we're kind of in a an era where family and work is kind of one and the same, right? And you can't really get away from one or the other. And your new coworkers are the people that you live with. Um, so it's uh, it'll be really interesting to see how that that all plays out and comes together. Uh, yeah. Yeah. With, with with this
0: environment, so just we'll take we'll take this uh, top level question real quick. But um, how do you pivot? Your startup in this environment, with everything has pretty much changed uh, within just a few days, like the landscape of, of I mean, just culture and just uh, across the world. So, how do you pivot your startup right now? Uh,
2: um, yeah, I would, I would say we actually started El Pivot six months ago, and then, I mean, this happened, and we just said, "Hey, let's go with it," but,
0: mm-hmm. um. Yeah, How did you guys pivot? yeah, talk about the, the pivot you all made?
2: Yeah, um this environment that we have on screen is actually a pivot for us from what when when I was hired on, we were actually working on a updated forum software, and then about six months in, due to brainstorming and uh, a lot of work. Uh, we pivoted from 2D forums to 3D environments, and then you know, with with everyone staying home now, uh, 3D environment is suddenly uh, pretty appealing as far as being able to recreate an event space. So, uh, my my inbox, uh, whether it be email, LinkedIn, or Various other things has been pretty much swamped for the past three, four sure. weeks. <laughs> so, sure.
1: Paul, your thoughts? Yeah, it's, I, it's a it's a wonderful question because I I, I might I might encourage or, or challenge that what you go through is actually not a pivot, but but rather what you should have been doing from day one, and and, and that's in, in in corporate speak um, amongst big consulting firms. Uh, what we're going through is called a digital transformation. And if you look up that word, there are a bunch of big companies and, and a bunch of consultants that get paid millions of dollars, uh, to, to help, to help enterprise fortune 500 companies go through digital transformation. You know what digital transformation means? It means figure out how to use the internet <laughs> and, right. and. And, and they're really simple considerations. Right? We're, we're not talking about even necessarily doing video, for example, or, or, or launching a podcast. We're talking about really simple stuff that last, last year, for example, you, you constantly heard things amongst startup founders. You constantly heard things like, my, my customer, my audience is not on Facebook. Well, I assure you, as of today, they, they absolutely are. <laughs> uh, everybody is on Facebook, right? Everybody is on Twitter in some way. Uh, your website has to work; it really just has to work well, and and you have to be creating content. These are things that we've been we've been preaching in in startup circles for the better part of of, of twenty years, and and I think most most people struggle with embracing them, and most people struggle with keeping up with with doing these things because while they're simple to do in in a very basic sense they are actually rather difficult it it requires some experience to to use the internet really well to to use it effectively and so find some advisors here's how you do it find some advisors join an incubator find find a a, a head of marketing who's who's really savvy in, di- in digital uh, find find even some some perhaps investors or maybe bring on another co-founder under the circumstances get people who understand things as simple as how Google actually works. Because the reality is that's the world we, we have always lived in. And the fact is now we just live in that world a lot more. And so now more than ever is the time to embrace it and understand it and experience it. Because to Michael's point, those of us that are there, our businesses are, are, are exploding. Our social media channels are probably up twofold uh, in the last couple of weeks in terms of audience as, as the, the entire world jumps on this stuff to try to figure it out.
3: John, um, you know, I think the uh, unfortunate reality is there's a lot of organizations that don't depend on uh, digital as much as others and technology as much as others that need to now or have, have no other option. Right. We went from, you know, brick and mortars being able to survive in smaller local Cities and, and restaurants, whatever that looks like, to now having to make sure that your website can actually take orders and people can pick up from you, and so there is there is there is a massive undertaking and understanding to, to Paul's point and how a lot of this stuff works, which is why finding somebody that knows how to actually do these things is imperative. If you if you want your business to survive, um, you know it's it's got to be online now. It needs to be engaging, um, and you're going to see a lot of organizations um, really flip how the model works. And one of the things I'm really interested in, in, and reviewing post quarantine is where did everything land? Um, And what do the businesses that primarily uh, relied on word of mouth or local neighborhood, um, you know, what do they look like now? What are they, what are they doing differently? Um, How did those communities um, that used to go to these local, you know, cafes or coffee shops to, to talk. You know, what are they? Where are they going now? Where are they meeting up? Are they meeting up online and in, in in groups? Are they going to um, virtual cafes now? Um, you're going to see a lot more, and you're starting to see a lot of that with Zoom as an example. Um, but you know, if if you if you want to come out the other, other end of this, um, you need to understand that it's it's more it's it's just online now, and a lot of organizations that. Um, have the capital to are going to be pushing heavier now into advertising in radio and in podcasting and in television um, as well, just as an example. Um, But again, if you don't, then you really need to understand how the internet works and and how to leverage all the digital assets.
0: Uh, We have a follow-up from Karen. So he says, I agree when you say people have been uh, accessing social apps and playing games with each other as a new activity, non-gamers included. What tech innovation do you think would help us further retain new users, non-gamers?
3: I um, I would say my first step at that is always a really solid QA tool um, that really asks the audience Because everybody, I guarantee, it doesn't matter what platform, what game, what digital experience you have, you're getting people that otherwise, more likely than not, would have never have engaged with your game or your piece of tech. And if you want to keep those people there, you need to understand what it is that they're having trouble with, um, what changes they want to see. So a really solid way to engage the audience, ask them questions, get feedback in real time um, so you can continue to build an experience for an audience that, frankly, you didn't build that experience for to begin with, but now they're here. So if you want them to stay there, then you need to ask them questions and you need to understand um, what it is that they're looking to continue. What's going to keep them coming back? And that's paying attention to them and, and answering their questions and and uh, just really good, solid customer service. Yeah,
0: something that comes to mind, I just real quick, is the feedback loop. For those familiar sure. with it, is you know obviously the closer you are, the more communication you have with your clients, customers, uh, you know whatever label you want to put on that, your community, right? Then that that feedback is the market. Like that that is your answer. Your community has the answer. But if you don't have a community, you have no answer. <laughs> like right. you, you, the, there's like the path of least resistance there. So the ongoing, like you said, the ongoing communication with your community is huge, no matter what startup it is, in my opinion.
1: You know, it sounded like the question also asked how to grow and how to retain mm-hmm. retain an audience. I I I'd build on that with the notion that, or the or the fact rather that the, these days we refer to the media business as omni media, which which means you you in a sense you really have to be everywhere. That that when you when you participate in that that FAQ or you participate in that in that community on your website or on your app or on your platform. There's no reason, what, what you might think about it, is there's no reason you're not pushing the same content and the same conversation to many, many different places. And building building that same kind of community on Reddit and on, on a Facebook group and on, a, uh, on Quora, build, build a space for, for your game or your brand and enable people that aren't necessarily on your platform to also get those questions answered, to also give that feedback that's gonna create more of an audience in different spaces, different places that are gonna discover what you're doing and get involved.
2: I I would say it's also really valuable to you know, since we can't like be over somebody's shoulder right now, um like screen sharing is extremely valuable as Valuable as suppose, like figuring out problems and also just kind of seeing how people are using your stuff.
0: Yeah, thanks for jumping in the chat, guys. Let, let me jump in here because there's a number of comments and questions we want to get to these. Uh, Gilad actually posted that's actually, I want to look into this. Uh, so he just posted uh, math teachers virtual reality class in ha- Half Life Alex. <laughs> so i I, 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 I want to take a look at that. Th- Gilad, thanks for posting that. Uh, he's an, he's an edu tech out of Israel, really interesting um background. Uh, so I'm definitely going to take a look at that. Nice. Was really, interesting. really, really interesting. He was on the show a couple weeks ago. Um, Ariel has a question. What are the biggest sources of data regarding consumer metrics and lead generation?
2: Yeah, lead generation, at least for my end, has actually mostly been a lot of inbound traffic on LinkedIn. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's been really my biggest choice over the past three to four weeks. Um, and some some of our team is also like building leads through various sources, but LinkedIn really is huge. Mm-hmm. And then the other so, question
0: is: Is there a, sorry, is there a data analysis company that offers information about ROI for sponsors and their ads?
3: Yeah, I was going to say the the mm-hmm. question is more uh, in a line of you know where can we find these big sources of information, right? Correct and you know obviously what first comes to mind is nielsen group does a lot you know with with media so does mckenzie um so does deloitte um you know you're gonna you're those and gartner are gonna be the organizations that are really aggregating a lot of this information um nielsen i know you know is particularly better in music than the others um you know but you're gonna it's it's there is no one source you know uh to rule them all (laughs) (laughs) um, you know everybody has unfortunately yeah right um and so everybody you're gonna you're just gonna find a lot of stuff right now changing and you know even verizon right um the the statistic that paul had earlier right um and it it was 75 to 80 percent um was the verizon statistic on you know video gaming has gone up right since quarantine um so again it's That's actually a really good question, Um, and I I think that you're going to see a lot of reports coming out now that are just validating this conversation, right, and really, you know, emphasizing the importance of understanding how omni media works and what that means and and what all these channels, how they provide information back to your organization, but more importantly, um, take those studies you know for for what they are it's not going to work for everybody um and just make sure that you've got your own system and infrastructure in place so you understand what the data is coming down the pipeline but also how to attract value from it
0: yeah tyler jumped
3: in digital transformation equals
0: figure out the internet so true so (laughs) giving you proudest Paul, from from earlier Um, and then Uh, Another question uh, from Karen. How much attribution would you guys give to UI, UX when it comes to digital transformation, especially in older generations?
2: It's huge, for sure. I mean, UI and UX are definitely a passion of mine, just like making sure that it feels good. And I mean, it's also interesting historically because I sometimes go back and like play or use some app from like the 90s and we have changed so much it's it's crazy
1: <laughs> yeah I'd, I'd i'd simplify even the approach that a lot of uh, uh startups and and founders and even designers take simplify it in the sense that nothing beats uh a, a notebook and and sketches wireframes mockups, if you will uh, and and hundreds of conversations at coffee shops with random people who likely have no grasp or no concept of what it is that you're building. That that that, in my experience with with a lot of incubators, has been the easiest, fastest, best way to try to distill down to uh, the the simplest form, so that any anybody will at least get get a good start. Will at least feel comfortable with this experience that you're designing and building, and, and get started with you. Um, most most startups, most companies drastically fail because they they overthink, they they try to include too much. They they poorly communicate. Uh, I mean, we can be frank. We're we're, we're victims of that, too. Right. That, that it's it is a very, very difficult thing. A great designer is worth their weight in gold. Uh, and, and the easiest way to be be a little bit like that great designer uh, is to sit down with with those random people and, and just ask questions. Right. What do you think mm-hmm. of this? Do you understand that? Does it make sense if I do it this way or if I do it that way? Uh, And and keep it simple.
3: So uh, pick up the book from Steve Krug, Don't Make Me Think. Um, You know, brilliant UX UI. uh, And that's exactly, you know, and that book came out quite quite, quite a while ago. So, and nothing's changed in that regard, right? The most brilliant, designed um you know user experiences user interfaces are super simple i shouldn't have to think too much about it um it should be pretty self-explanatory um you know you're you, it, it, unless of course right keeping your audience in mind is it consumer based is it is it an engineer is it technology are you developing stuff right so i, I think there's certainly keeping the audience in which you're developing for in mind but for if it's a direct consumer or if it's a you know a, um, uh, an application that you just want the general public to use the less they have to think about it chances are the better of an experience they're going to have. Uh yeah, we'll pivot here, but I think this this
0: uh, goes along with what we're talking about, obviously, and then obviously, with the image we have to the right of us, <laughs> this obviously is uh, is pertinent. Uh, but so David jumps in. I think online meeting and event spaces like gamer are only going to become more embedded into our culture as we continue to embrace new digital forms of communication and they become the norm. Uh, any thoughts on that?
3: I, I think he's absolutely right. Um, you know you're you're already seeing. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of like uh, because I don't think the technology is quite there yet or the experiences are quite there yet for a, a mass consumption of this type of experience. But video games alone, with that staggering statistic, just show that these virtual spaces, these experiences are going to continue to climb. Right. And that's just one experience mm-hmm. as an example. And whether that's VR, whether that's AR, whether that's MR experiences as well. Um, are also going to continue to skyrocket, right? And you're you're starting to see that with, obviously, the headsets getting cheaper and cheaper and better and better. Um, So more people are going to acquire them and actually use the technology and actually try things, like I said before, for the first time that usually that age or that audience wouldn't traditionally have done it. But now they don't have a choice, right? So you're kind of in this weird state of, I don't really have a choice, so I, I need to do it. So <laughs> what are my options, right? And GamerJive is a, a wonderful example of organizations still being able to host events, host networking events, um, be in a experience where you don't need to download anything, which I think is a, uh, a huge advantage for GamerJive versus a lot of other platforms. It's, it's just embedded in HTML. And you can go in there and actually have conversations with people. Um, and, you know, what, what I think is brilliant about it is a lot of people, uh, that stigma that, you know, video games or technology actually destroys communities, right? They, like it, it, it makes people zombies, right? It zombifies individuals. Is actually now uh, the contrary with, with platforms like GamerChide where we are building communities and networks and people can come together and have conversations and, and solve problems and talk about things. Um, and, you know, one of the other things we've talked about, too, in the past is if, if I'm uh, an introvert or if, if I have uh, disabilities um, in, in I can't actually attend things or I don't want to as myself or in person or whatever that is, having a virtual experience is a perfect solution for me so i i I just love the idea that it doesn't matter what walk of life or you know how old you are um or you know what what is potentially handicapping you you can still use these tools just as well as anybody else to connect into build together yeah giving people access otherwise wouldn't have it i mean that's
0: that that's so it's so interesting on the the disability side and um, because you know like you said, quite frankly they may may not be able to go to a physical event or experience it the way the event is made uh, to be experienced so that that and that's not talked about a whole lot I don't think um, and I think that's really important because it's also inclusive and also we talk about quite a bit on on the, on, on the program in the last couple of weeks as far as you know gaming is very inclusive it's very inclusive you know and then if you look in and also look at at esports. Um, if you sw- we can switch over to esports a little bit, but you look at look, it's about your skill set in esports, right? It's very inclusive. If you're th- if you're the best at that particular game, then you know obviously you have to be noticed, be on a team or whatnot. But then it's very inclusive because it's based on skill set. Um, you
1: know, I, I I'd, I'd I'd add too. What's what's pretty exciting is that if you that part part of the question was about the impact of this being the new norm and whether or not it's going right. to be the new norm. If right. if if we talk not about the AR experiences or these virtual worlds, but also include the live streaming experiences what's what's pretty neat about the technology is that that live stream experience the zoom stuff the the blue stuff the microsoft team stuff even the discord and twitch stuff that that frankly isn't terribly new that that this this live stream video space hasn't had a lot of innovation in the last say 10 years it's it's still video cameras and and microphones and chat and so what's really exciting about what's going on now is that for the for, for really the first time we're, we're putting a lot of capital, we're putting a lot of work into things like the fact that we're, we're, we're one world. We have people all over the world experiencing this stuff. So, so could we not be translating things in real time? Sure we can, right? The technology's there, it's just not built into these environments yet. Could, could, we, not, could we not have motion sensors on our cameras in homes so that rather than having to log in or jump into a, a live environment, you you just kind of step in front of the the camera at, and and have a party or have a meetup or or play a game. Sure we can right. The, the, that in the last two weeks there's there's been a tremendous amount of discussion about not only is this a norm, but now what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about the fact that this stuff is going to be pervasive in work? It's going to be pervasive at home, and 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 we'd like that it is, and therefore we need some new features. We need some 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 changes we need some improvements we need more security right in some cases we want more privacy and more control but at the same time we want it to be easier and more accessible
2: yeah it's it is it has been huge to see like sports for example like going completely virtual um I, i was seeing something recently about like over a million viewers watching people basically uh, race virtually. I think it was yeah F one NAS- yeah sure NASCAR and F one and but yeah all 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 the sports uh you know I I actually saw a meme uh a while back that basically said in 2019. The kind of general thinking was esports aren't real sports, and now they're in 2020 with the stuff, yeah, yeah. That,
0: that meme got a lot of traction recently, yeah. obviously, <laughs> obviously, obviously, on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, trended a few times, right? Um, yeah, I, I I, too.
2: It was yeah,
0: but, well, and it's again because we talk, we talk about this a lot. I mean, the last few weeks, but I mean, sports went to zero. But, yeah. yeah, they went to zero, and it went to zero very fast. Um, and was talking on a, on a podcast yesterday, uh, the NGN podcast, Ari Fox, and talking about how there's, you know, there's, I and mean, we look at it like this: there's physical assets and digital assets, yeah. and and sports companies, sports, you know, organizations uh, and leagues and things like that that didn't have digital assets ready, they didn't yeah. understand it or ignored it. Where are they now? Yeah, they have no voice. So I want to get your all's take on that.
2: Yeah, they're,
1: um, they're, they're scrambling. You're, you're, you're right yeah. and that they're, they're scrambling in the sense of of what we talked about a little bit earlier on the show, that it's 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 really just this fundamental question of digital transformation, whether or not you're ready for this stuff. Uh, and, and 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 the point is almost that you have no excuse not to be ready for this stuff because it's been around for a decade or more. And what we're seeing in the sports space is, is that fact that I mean, there's no reason that some of these events, some of these sports still can't happen. Right when it's when it's small teams or 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 separated teams or or they they take the precautions under the circumstances of what we're going through with the virus. There's no reason we still can't have some some experiences. They aren't they aren't streaming. They aren't they aren't available to us because most of the world has no idea how to do these things. Most most of the world is not prepared for the fact that we now live in an internet economy, based <laughs> up built upon this infrastructure. And if you're not there, I, I I heard it said I don't know five or six years ago. If you're not there. You're literally not there. I mean, that's the best way to think about yourself as an entrepreneur or a business person or a CEO. If you are not on the internet, you are not there. You don't exist. Yep. So, so that's what we're seeing in sports. And, and, and what's exciting is too, that won't revert, right? As soon as the NFL comes back, of course, people that love the NFL will continue to subscribe and can, can continue to watch the games and buy tickets. But, but there's even been some discussion of the fact that those numbers will now be down because so many people have discovered Esports and, and video games, so many people have discovered other things that they're realizing, hey, maybe I don't have to go back to the NFL when it comes back. Maybe I can do these other things that I enjoy more.
0: And that, yeah. and that is a big question. Like what happens when, you know, the, the air quote new normal comes, you know, what's the new normal when uh, traditional sports come back? You know, when the lights come on for traditional sports, how is that going to affect e-sports, uh in, specifically? I get that question a lot. Yeah.
3: So, uh, uh, so- um, go ahead, Mike.
2: Oh, I was just gonna say the I I know some NFL players who were like not signed to a team or were like on the sidelines have actually started streaming esports on ESPN <laughs> yeah, now. you see that with that? Yeah, NBA the other NBA, players league,
3: right? Yeah. Um, you know the uh, what's interesting is you know I, I think um one of the most uh, incredible statistics was or just events that happened was when a 16 year old won three million dollars playing Fortnite, and then they compared it to all the PGA Tour winners, and it was just substantially more, right? <laughs> um, and and I think that really opened up the possibility into uh, you know what what could be right with video games um, and the potential in e gaming in particular, um, and it for me. I've always, uh, you know, I go back to enemy territory with, with, uh, you know, Wolfenstein 3D Engine. Um, But what I, you know, in the next five to ten years, you'll see advertising dollars are going to outweigh in esports, you know, what they're going to do in traditional sports. Because e-gaming is global, um, whereas all the other sports are tied to a specific geography. Um, and that's what's that's what's really going to separate them in the long run. And again, yeah. Right. Like now we are forced in a position where esports are the only sports because it's the only way that we can actually have sports. And I've seen things where, you know, people did like March Madness, but they they just streamed the computer NBA teams playing versus each other. Right. <laughs> yeah. University, speaking of basketball, University of Kentucky is
0: doing uh, hoops at home. And they're doing a, a bracket tournament. They had a thousand. I, 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 I watched it last night. They had a thousand live viewers watching this. Yeah. Yeah, so they had you know professional players, students. Um, so and it, it pains me to say that because I'm a University of Louisville alum. So we're like fierce <laughs> rivals. And University of Louisville is doing z- like zero with esports. And University, <laughs> University <laughs> of Kentucky's crushing it. Like they're crushing it. I mean, they had a thousand people watching it at one time last night on Twitch. So doing hoops at home.
3: That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the, that's, that's where we're at now. Right. <laughs> that's where we're at. Right.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. Like you said, either you're executing or you're not. And they're like, isn't a middle ground. It's like you're executing, uh, you know, and, and learning as you go, look, obviously it it has been very interesting when everything, when, when traditional sports went dark and you looked at like the execution on the other side to transition into the esports side. Well, you know, let's just say the execution hasn't been perfect, but that's okay. And people understand that, like, you know, so I always talk about F1 and Vlatch Esports and what they've done the last couple of weeks and the viewership they've had in Formula One and how they, within 48 hours, when all sports turn the lights off, traditional sports, they said, OK, well, our events cancel. Well, guess what? We're going to do the Australian GP. And they did it within, And they, they made that, that digital transition within two days. And they've done it ever since every week. So th- that shows, like, like you said, the, the foundation, building that foundation, being able to move quick. If you, you know, and, and also here's my, so the finance background, I mean, this does not understand this as far as how, how are, how have been people been caught off guard? Like you said, Justin TV was Twitch before Twitch, right? And that was 2010, right? I mean, it's been around for a long time streaming things. Like, how could you miss this? How could you not as a, as a, if you're just a portfolio manager, right? If you, if like, if, how, how do you not look at digital assets as an asset and put, put, and put you know energy behind it if you 're just looking at like a like a broad uh,
1: management of a portfolio well in in, in fairness and in defense of of that that challenge, the issue that most have is is how to get the audience with these things right how to how to develop an audience, maintain an audience, and build a community with these experiences the The technology has been there forever, and, and I think that 's why we continue to stress and, and and we should all continue to encourage that you really have no excuse not to be experiencing it, not to be trying it, not to be using it, what what I think what's exciting and what we're talking about is that all of this really reinforces, too, for, for the entrepreneurs paying attention, really reinforces the importance of a team. Because when things like this happen, you need to be able to look to somebody else on your team, in your organization, in what you're doing. Look to somebody else who knows something that maybe you weren't doing before, right? And, and go, hey, John, uh, apparently we can't have these live events anymore. Uh, what... <laughs> I know you know the internet really well. What can we do, right? And, and John could step up a little bit more in the team or in the organization to go, you know what? There's no reason we can't be using StreamYard uh, and, and still hosting this event that we have planned for, for a couple of weeks from now, right? That's, that's what we've seen in some sports. That's what we've seen in, in, in some live events in the music industry. Some things pivoted very quickly mm-hmm. because they have the team of people that know how this stuff works. Even if they weren't using it previously, they were able to shift very quickly to, to continuing their business in just a different way, a different way. And that's that's really what's critical about making it through experiences like what we're going through in the world today is, is again, building that group of folks that have some perspectives, some experiences, a, a diverse outlook on the way the world works and, and can help weather any changes that come at you as a startup founder.
2: Um, something that I have noticed is right now if we look at esports this what what's happened so far this year um it's it the e- even with the virus happening um so far this year uh, we've already made more uh Esports players have already made more than they did in the whole year of 2012. Um, Sure, sure. It's it's crazy to see, like, how much it's expanded. Like, if you look at 2019, it's literally, like, almost 15 to 20 times the total prize money was awarded, you know, so. Within seven years,
3: it's, it's like the expense. Oh yeah, when, right. when, when you got the only burger joint in town. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Go to your restaurant. It'll be very
2: interesting. It'll be very interesting to see like how the whole year of 2020 performs when we see it in hindsight, because a lot of live events were canceled or the, but you know, it'll be interesting to see if the total price money actually goes up or down from 2019. Like how yeah. many events are being like rescheduled to be fully digital.
0: So let's laser focus on, I guess this this the startup space real quick. Uh, what, is, uh, what is a big takeaway right now that if you had to tell a startup founder or a team right now, what would you tell them? How would you tell them to to start executing? Well, what
2: I've heard uh, from other startup uh, people is that they're being told, like, even if they are not in esports, to at least look at it, which is kind of funny. Like, <laughs> uh, I mean, I know somebody who works in cybersecurity, and they were told to like go look at these points if they want more funding.
1: (laughs) I I like leading with this point. Uh, This is a severely underreported stat. Most of the substantial and successful companies in the world today were founded during recessions. Mm -hmm. It's true of Microsoft. It's true of Apple. It's true of Southwest Airlines. It's true of uh, IBM, I believe. There's a great list, you know, Google it. There's a great list of all the incredible companies that were founded in times like this, that if you're an entrepreneur, the best advice I can offer is that now is the time that you in particular are needed most in the world. You are the type of person who takes the risks. You are the type of person who gets shit done. You are the type of person who builds things. You are the type of person who looks at things differently and is willing to try them. We we desperately need more of you uh, now now more than ever and and it's and it's tough to appreciate because in a recession it feels like things are more difficult it feels like there is is less money available in fact the opposite is true uh, that that when times are good like like last year when times are good venture capital is stretched right venture capital is heavily deployed venture capital is looking at a whole bunch of competitors and a whole bunch of different things right now is the easiest time to have a conversation with an angel investor or a venture capitalist because they're sitting there wondering what's going to get us through this, this economy. They're, they're sitting there wondering how they can help. They're sitting wondering who's going to do something despite the adversity. And so the, the advice, how do you start, Chris? Just start. Uh, build a website, build a newsletter, build a landing page, build a, build a, a Reddit group. Hey, do something because trust me, right now, The entire world is desperate for people like us, for people like you to do something to help. And so they're going to jump in and help you get that accomplished. If you just get the ball rolling, if you do what you do as a founder and an entrepreneur, which is start something, figure out a mission, figure out a vision, figure out what you're passionate about, figure out what what you can help and how to help it and just go and learn along the way, learn along the way as you get other people excited about what you're doing and get them involved.
0: And a common denominator is content. It always goes back to content, just like we said from the top, and you just mentioned it now. It always go back goes back to content because that is truly who you are
3: and what your company is. And, and you it, know, and another thing too, and that's a really good point. But don't overwhelm yourself. Um, sure, it's easy to, you know, I just playing music professionally, um, and and still the music industry is a um, uh, an example is very siloed with information and tools and, and technology. Um, so I remember, you know, having to log into 15, 20 different tools before I knew what the hell to do with my day. Um, and so don't overwhelm yourself, get really good at one thing. Right. Um, so to, so so to add to Paul's point, yes, just do it, but don't do everything. To Chris's point, yes, content is king and will always matter and be relevant and it's not always going to be perfect and you're not always going to like what people have to say about it you can't if if you cared about what everybody thought of you you wouldn't do anything anyway so you know just get out there and do it you'll find people that share the same voices share the same ide- ideas or opinions want to help get involved in your projects but again just focus on one form of content and get really good at that whether that's making videos, whether that's writing a blog, um, you know, whatever that is. So, And then focus on one platform, whether that's Facebook or whether that's Twitter or whether that's Instagram. What you'll find is a lot of similarities on the back end of these tools. And it, once you have mastered one of those, the other ones will be quickly – you'll be able to understand them and get ramped up a lot faster than trying to do little by little with all of them because you will get overwhelmed and chances are you're not going to be as effective and you're not going to get as much done as you want. couple of
0: comments here. Karen says, uh, identify the opportunity, take the risk. Yes. Exclamation point. Uh, Steven says, when times are tough, innovation thrives, uh, David tagged you, Paul. Uh, I always tried to turn every disaster into an opportunity. That was from John D Rockefeller. I think the important thing to do so in a way where we are genuinely adding value and helping others.
3: Wonderful. One thing I would add, Karen, is identify the problem, then find a solution, right? Um, A lot of times what entrepreneurs do is they assume that what they're building is solving something without actually asking people if it's solving that thing. And then they put a bunch of resources into building something without even knowing if anybody would actually pay them for said thing or if it's an actual, you know, viable business. And the last thing you want to do as an entrepreneur is spend a year building something because it solved your one problem and nobody wants anything to do with it because you didn't spend enough time validating the idea. Just at the idea stage, if if this was a good idea or what it might look like. So if you want to start something, find a problem to solve and then ask at least a hundred people about it and what they think about it or what it might be and then go do that because <laughs> then at right. least, at least right, out right. of the 100 people you know some of them will, will become early adopters
0: right. <laughs> exactly. early adoption uh run to scarcity that's three words that kind of run through my head as well like bringing maximum value to people uh there's like the uh the, the net value quotient kind of uh, kind of that's i don't know if i just made that up <laughs> but but like how much value are you bringing to other people in the net right. of that like that's a huge deal, the net value that you bring. Um, but then run to scarcity, and like early adopt or a la early adoption, kind of the same concept there. Um, yeah, Gil had said uh, this is this is inspirational. Thank you guys. Uh, I would add find your value proposition in your market. For example, um, he's an ed tech expert, but that is a saturated market these days. Digital games based learning is an expertise that is needed today, and not a lot of people doing it at a professional level.
2: Um. Something that I am interested to see how it pans out um with what I'm doing is you know, i I feel like what what we're building with gamertype can be a platform for starting up in a way um i i, I think it'll be interesting to see like a you out like how how many Event organizers on our platform are like new, and how many are like you know, experts who have been doing it in the live space and just transitioning over. I think that'll be a
3: really interesting statistic. No, well, we... mean, we're seeing crazy statistics like events won't be back until fall of next year, right? Like, yeah, like I mean, I, yeah. I saw that article yesterday, and I was like, oh my god, I hope that's not right. Me too. right we just don't know at this point. <laughs> Um, you know, Karen actually uh, brought up another really good point, and and this is something that a lot of early-stage entrepreneurs that have an idea always fear, right? For someone young and say, I'm looking to start out for the first time, what's a good way to validate the idea without giving away the idea completely? It's a genuine dilemma that I've faced. Oh, yeah. Uh, Nobody always- wants to steal your idea, Karen. I can guarantee you nobody wants to steal your idea and to be to be completely honest with you and brutally honest with you your IP your you know if you if you go down that route and you go down um getting patents and filing patents it's only as good as you can protect it in court so even yep. if you had the most incredible piece of technology in the world and you know Google or you know Microsoft one of these fortune 100 organizations got wind of it, they're either going to buy it from you right away or they're going to choke you out of the marketplace. And again, that is horrifying, uh, but that's just how this stuff works. And so really it's it's about getting in the, the um, mind of the consumer, right? The marketplace faster than competitors can. And so it's actually on the contrary. You want to talk to as many people all over the world about what it is that you're doing because the faster you can get people to... Either buy what you're doing, or uh, you know, follow what it is that you're putting out there, or engage with the content that you're developing. The more of the market that you're going to own, and that's exactly kind of where we're at in the digital era.
2: Yeah, okay.
1: I'm, I'm chewing a bit on, uh, on on the previous point about ed tech and whether or not it's saturated, and 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 as that relates to to this topic, and I I I could encourage or would encourage too that one of the best things uh, you you can do as an entrepreneur is is think of it as establishing your own market share your own your own audience your your personal personal brand right be known for your focus and, and your strength and, and your expertise so that as you develop this idea and as you do get it out in the market uh, people will want to favor working with you in particular and and my point about edtech is is that as an example, while 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 it can feel like live streaming or eSports or ed tech is is saturated, the, the if if you dig deeper, if you start asking these questions, if you start putting yourself out there, you'll find very quickly that the entire world is looking for better. What is better? I don't know. That's that's the point. That that's why you should be doing what you're doing, right? That that it may seem like these things are very crowded and very competitive, and there are a lot of folks in the space, and there's just no room for something else. That's not remotely true. Everyone is desperate for something better. I've i got three kids at home, and you know, so we're looking at all these ed tech solutions as we as we're homeschooling at this point. And, and trust me, every single parent at our schools, every single one of them, is going. This stuff is awful. (laughs) I wish there was something that did this instead or worked that way instead. Right? There's always a little bit of a niche to carve out. There's always value in having that conversation with these these consumers or or the marketplace or those people in the coffee shop to find that little point of differentiation that you can own, that you can own as a person, Not, not as a brand, not as a company. You can own as a person to say, I know this particular thing in my space really, 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 really well. And I'm going to go build that out. And if you want to build that out, you should do it with me because obviously I know it better than anybody else. Uh, and, and yes, we are in the same space as this thing and this thing and this thing. But those things aren't doing the same thing that I'm trying to fix. They're not, they're not addressing what I'm trying to tackle and improve or develop a market around.
0: Hyper, hyper-focused, hyper-niche, scarcity. Like Those are all things that
2: kind of come to mind. Yeah. I-, I hear that. I, I want to comment on the uh, the EdTech because I actually was homeschooled during the 80s and 90s, so you know all the tech that is available now from that perspective is amazing. Uh, I mean, I, I grew up being homeschooled on like VHS ta- VHS tapes and books I mean, and in technology China. Must
3: be bored, Mike. Not just yeah. I mean,
2: it, it it's just crazy to look at it from that perspective though like it while while it may be bad it's like really very good in many ways so um you know just historical perspective it's always interesting to me uh but it's i also wanted to comment on the gaming space and like um like if you run the numbers, it's like, there's 30 games that do well at any one time. I um, mean that may be changing to some extent with, you know, a lot more people like looking at new things and things like that. And I, I hope that it, it helps the game industry because I actually shifted to Doing what I'm doing with Game because it was getting very challenging, and I've I was in the game industry for 13 years, and you know I was just it was starting to feel like it was stagnant, but I think this I think this has helped shake things up, which. Uh, it's Yeah,
0: yeah, and I wish we could dive. That, that's a whole. That's probably another three-hour conversation <laughs> on the game yeah. industry <laughs> in, in indie development, things like that. How, how you know the, the difficulties with it? Because I know there's a lot of uh, indies yeah. that kind of watch, indie developers that watch this. Um, so that maybe that, that's another show.
2: Yeah, I <laughs> mean, yeah.
0: You, have, you have to come back on.
2: Yeah, as, as yeah. I, I I mentioned to you Chris, uh I actually have like three or four friends in the game industry that we could sure. come on with. So.
0: Sure, absolutely. That'll be another show. Well, well, guys, we're up against the clock. This was unbelievably valuable to me, just from my perspective, just to hearing uh, everybody in chat, the questions, the comments, uh, your all's feedback. Um, so real quick, I wanted to give you guys, uh, yeah, hit the thumbs up. <laughs> I love that. It's a thumbs up button down, down there on LinkedIn there, obviously, in YouTube. Appreciate that, uh, John. But hey, where can people get connected to you guys? The so last thing, where can people connect with you on social? Uh, John, you want to start?
3: Yeah, uh, you know we're um, we pretty much own all the Mediatek Ventures domains. Um, so Mediatek Vent on Twitter, uh, Mediatek Ventures on Instagram, Mediatek Ventures on Facebook, Mediatek Ventures on LinkedIn. Uh, you know, uh, dot Ventures for the URL on the website. Um, you know, so it's we're not hard to find if you type in Mediatek Ventures uh, in Google, and, and that's on purpose. <laughs> that's why we're here. Very cool.
0: Uh, then, Michael, what's the best way to get connected to GamerJib?
2: Yeah, um, com and GamerJib Social on Twitter and GamerJib on Facebook and LinkedIn. Also, I I do tweet and such occasionally. Hey, I'm definitely most active on LinkedIn right now as far as socials. Um, but I will say... Right now we have an event coming up in may may eighteenth through twenty second um there is, like if you search for Game type uh there is also a event on LinkedIn that you can go sign up for and right now we are also looking for volunteers for that.
0: Yeah, this is definitely a sneak peek of the environment, but we're gonna be doing a, a more thorough walkthrough of it. Really excited to be a part of that kind of career fair and an opportunity there, a number of panels that'll be there as well. Uh and it's gonna be a really fun week there in May. Yeah.
2: Right now we've got about twenty five looking at probably thirty plus. Uh, So a variety of panels that will all be streamed and then people will also be able to interact the network and uh, look at some career fair booths.
0: And did, uh, did, did, wrote one last thing I remember, Uh, do you have a call to speakers and sponsors, things like that real quick?
2: So sponsors, we are definitely still looking for speakers are filling up fast. We have over 1,250 attendees signed up. and we are looking for volunteers to help out with a variety of behind the scenes so if you're interested in learning about the behind the scenes a little bit volunteering is always a good opportunity to do
0: that well guys thank you all so much for all this there's some really really awesome comments coming in here Uh, gilad said this has been one of the best episodes thank you guys for coming so i'm going to make y'all come on again (laughs) so i just there's some really good there's some it was awesome conversation i really appreciate you guys taking the time um out of your day to be here
3: absolutely pleasure thanks for having us man look forward okay. to the next one yeah Great,
0: let's let's going you. thank All you right, everybody so, signing off everybody us. in chat thanks for being with us really appreciate it. thanks for sharing and we'll see you on the next one Hey guys, hope you enjoyed the episode. Just want to thank everyone who has done a five-star rating or review. If you enjoy the content, this is a way to get the word out about the Level Up Experience, and I really do appreciate it. A couple things, if you want to get connected uh, outside of the podcast, um, we do a live stream on YouTube and LinkedIn. So just search Level Up Experience on YouTube to be a part of the live stream there. We also do LinkedIn Live, as mentioned. Search my name, Chris Reed, C-R-I-S, R-E-E-D, to get notifications on either platform. Thank you all for all the support, and we'll see you on the next episode.